So how, on God's gray earth, did this... Yes, you can sail the seven seas. In the Navy. Yes, you can put your mind at ease. In the Navy. Come on now, people. And this. where we take a closer look at that one album in an artist's discography that sticks out like a sore thumb. It may be their best album, it may be their worst album, but either way, it's that one album where the artist was so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. Just a quick note, we are on Twitter and Instagram, and we have a Facebook group, and uh, we even have a website for people who are on the web. Uh, this week on the panel, we have Logan Renard, Matthew Marr, and my name is Scott Livingston, and we also have a very special guest this week coming from her own apartment. Uh, it's comic and artist Katie Bowman. Uh, hola, hola. <laughs> so this should be an interesting one. Um, this week we are discussing 1981's Village People album renaissance so i guess we can start with um who are the village people i'm pretty sure they're a collection of public servants um <laughs> firemen police well, some men. have jobs some are a little less certain oh my god i do any research i know who they are like i know the songs <laughs> yes. yes well everyone knows the songs they're a bunch of uh Horoscopes, aren't they? <laughs> Is the Leatherman like a bus driver or a cabbie or something going with your uh, your theme, Matt? Yeah, exactly. He, he he works as a he's a blacksmith. Ah, I have no idea. And like a uh, um, like a I don't know, like a theme park, old timey theme park kind of thing. Yeah, maybe? a carny. Yeah. Well, there and there's the one guy that works for the Bureau of Indian Affairs. Oh, yeah, he's a he's a professional Native American. That's not a lot of money in that, but uh... historically, no. <laughs> well, I, I I don't know a lot. I do know this: um, they were huge in the 1970s, and this is what shocked me. 
I, I did not realize this at all. I thought they had four songs. Three of them were hit singles. That's what I thought. They have yeah. a whole catalog of albums. Renaissance just being one. Oh, yeah. That's true. And very fun topics where I'm just like, so their time period. Like, you feel, like, makes me think of, like, Nickelodeon and stuff, like, just in the 80s, like, Nickelodeon in the 90s and, like, all the other stuff, the music that would play in the shows and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, they definitely had a um, recurring uh, nostalgia thing going on that kept them in business. Um, well, and their music does have a childlike vibe to it, uh, despite the, you know, perhaps subtle and sometimes not so subtle undercurrents. Yes. Adult nature, adult themes. Yeah. <laughs> there was one about, what was the song that, it's food something. Yes. Food fight. Yes. Oh my God. That is the most Nickelodeon one I've ever, like I was like, <laughs> what are they? I cleaned my house to it. It was very fun. They're a band that everyone knows the characters, but I doubt anyone could name any of the actual people. I mean, we all know the the leather guy and the the cop and the the um I don't know the yeah soldier and the seaman and the same <laughs> seaman, but you know they could be replaced at any time with anyone who fits into that costume, and no one would really bat an eye. Although although uh, the aficionados do argue that when their leader, the the cop slash admiral slash several other things. Um, yes. When he departed the band as the lead singer, it definitely hindered their their appeal. Yeah, Victor Willis was the former lead singer, and he was and current, I believe. Yes, well, he he threw you know the fact that many of the other people who owned the rights died um, has now regained the uh, legal um, <laughs> copyright or whatever for the village people name. So. No, apparently he left um, in 1979, recorded an album called Solo Man, which only came out in like 2016 because um, he lost the master tapes, but um, he left and was replaced by uh, Ray Simpson, who was like the brother of some other disco singer, and nobody noticed. They, they filmed a, a movie called Can't Stop the Music in 1980, which um, featured a very young Steve Gutenberg and a... Well, you know it's good then. Yeah, the Goot. And he was on fire then, too. Oh, yeah. And it's got... It's directed by Nancy Walker, the quicker picker-upper lady. He Goot. And it features the uh, a then Bruce Jenner. It is... Um, That's hilarious. <laughs> it actually... The very first Razzies, it won most of the Razzie Awards, like 1981. Podcast fans, there's a fantastic uh, uh, How Did This Get Made, uh, Can't Stop the Music episode. Oh, yeah, with them. Track down. <laughs> yeah, I think Cameron Esposito was the uh, yeah. the guest on that episode. It was, it, I've, I've sat through that movie. It's, yeah. But apparently they had to re-record YMCA with the new lead singer as opposed to the old lead singer for that album. And uh, nobody could tell the difference. Well, which... I, I did. I was under the impression that once um, Willis, was it once he left the band that yeah. uh, they they shared lead vocal duties? 
Exactly. Exactly. Victor Willis, the uh, apparently was the only village person when the first two albums were recorded. The 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 guy, the producer, um, Morellis, Jacques Morellis, recorded the album with a uh, Victor on lead vocals and just had a picture of some random people that he called the village people that were just standing outside a club. And then when the album took off, he had to hire what were initially known as dancers, but eventually became, I don't know if band is the right word, but group that sort of solidified into the village people. But yeah, all they did for the second album was pose for the cover. So, but he was gone and you know, the, the can't stop the music album crashed and burned pretty hardcore in 1980 because as we discussed on the elton john episode uh, disco died a a quick and painful death in the late 79 era so which also led to apparently the um disbanding or bankruptcy of casablanca records which not only signed the village people but kiss yeah that was that was kiss's original label yeah yeah, so they they there's a lot of drugs, a lot of money spent on drugs, and um, yeah, you gotta wonder a label that has Kiss at at the height of their popularity goes under. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's so weird. Yeah, they clearly were not in the um, it's highly skilled in business management, so the. The village people were signed up by the parent company of Casablanca Records, RCA, who, you know, decided to rebrand them since disco sucks, as per the um, bumper stickers at the time. And <laughs> they were given a what I guess was a, a new wave or, or a new romantic look where I'm sure you've seen the um, the album cover in various used record shops. And it's a. Uh, yeah it's startling yeah <laughs> gone are the um clearly defined um jobs or roles um and now they just look like you know eight-year-old boys who snuck into their mother's makeup kit now while it's, they were it's uh, hard to do makeup that well oh yeah yeah There's, let's gotta give them they they look like a knockoff duran duran kind of Duran Duran or maybe Adam Ant. I was really, yeah. you know. Yeah. Did anyone send me a picture of it? I think we have it somewhere. Oh, on the little Facebook thread. I don't know if you guys are logged in on there, but I have it up. But yes. <laughs> I haven't seen it before. But if you're, if it's what I'm thinking of, but. Oh yeah, it, it's it's a bright pink background too. So it is not a um album cover that is easily um missed shall we say i'm not quite sure what the title meant renaissance they were i don't know oh, wait, the one that okay i'm so sorry i thought you were still talking about yeah sorry i'm so sorry <laughs> renaissance of course is the french word for rebirth so this is their rebirth from disco into something new and i'm really curious as what all of you think as we listen to these is it something new it's some of them feel like yeah disco that was trying to not disco but there's a couple of tracks on here particularly towards the end of the album that are um yeah definitely not 
in their uh, wheelhouse, right. shall we say. Yeah, there's a couple of tunes I think would fit right in in a disco and say 1976. Uh, sounds like stuff that I would listen to if I was going into like a Walgreens or anything and I'm just like shopping for something. And uh, just like that's exactly what like Walgreens music itself sounds like to me. <laughs> it is. It's, it's not very... um. It's very background music, at least some of it. Side one, I think, is it's more of them trying to, uh, you know, segue from disco into, I guess, new wave or whatever punk. <laughs> Not that's that's a good question. What would you call what they're trying to do? That way, we can deem how closely they actually succeeded. <laughs> it really just sounds like stuff you would put on, like. Like Nick, like um, God, what was the what were those shows in the nineties where like the kids would just like get slimed? There's and everything. Yeah, there's like there's like outside. double dare or yeah, yeah something yeah. like that. It sounds like something that would be playing during all of that, <laughs> which is kind of funny. So like those people were trying to dance to this. It does, you know. It's it's funny that you said that when I was listening to this uh, with some attentiveness, I. I was instantly reminded of Devo 2.0, uh, you know, the, yeah. <laughs> the, the Disney Devo band with kids. Yeah. And, and I, I, uh, um, it just seemed like, yeah, this would, this music, at least some of those later songs, especially would, would fit right into that, that, um, that arena. Well, much like Weird Al, you know, before you're That's true, old, yeah, enough, old enough to be sick, you know, into love songs or psychedelic surreal songs. All you want are songs about stuff you know, like action figures and food. And heaven knows there are songs about action figures and food on this album. So I used to love Big Macs too when I was a kid. Maybe that's <laughs> where my brain was going with that too. <laughs> it's very brightly colored. Yeah, they're kind of like I don't know the Teletubbies or or the Wiggles. Their color-coordinated outfits and their, you know, Bob the Builder. Several are wearing bolero jackets. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not quite sure like, what that style or, was, but it's or a matador jackets, whatever. Trying to put it back up on my computer stuff. Anyway, I thought you guys were talking about the Kiss album or so, whatever we were talking about before, but you're talking about the actual album. Um, and so I'm looking at it but i can't see it because it's like that small little it's, I, my spot it's on my spotify is like the page yeah it's yeah like small icon but i'm trying to open it up on google right now my computer has one of those viruses where like it sends you to a different search browser <laughs> than google it's very funny that's yes all right there we go i found it What were Bodero costumes? Bolero is what I, but you oh, know, like a matador's vest. Oh, you're right. Okay. <laughs> and they got some some serious bang work going on. At least you know, a good three fifths of them. Oh yeah, the cover I have is a little bit. The cover I'm looking at is a little bit different than. Yeah, I one. think there's a couple of variations. So you know, pick the one you like. But they're they're all you know. Showing off their dad bods and, and 
That's the one that's on the Wikipedia page. It's like a emo band from like early 2000s. Those are some <laughs> tight pants those boys are wearing. Yes, are wearing. It's ahead of its time at this point. This time. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I don't know about yeah. <laughs> There's some weirdness going on, but um apparently the original lead singer Victor Willis also like co-wrote or at least the lyrics to a lot of the early songs like YMCA and In the Navy and whatnot. So part of the um fact that these didn't weren't as successful may have had to do with, you know, the lack of Victor's uh, lyrical skills, because I'm not sure who's writing the lyrics. There's the, the French guy, and then the village people are all credited as co-writers on yeah, these. Yeah, I was so. going to say, are there French producers still part of this? Yes, uh, Jacques Morales, or Morali, or something like that, yes. Yeah, and uh, and forgive me if you said this already, but w- what's the name about? Where, where did they get village people from? Because they were from the, the village, like Greenwich Village. Yes, right. Greenwich Village in New York is what I would assume. Yeah, which which had a very hopping gay culture. Actually, still does. But everything's sort of been gentrified down there. Well, it's true everywhere, sadly. Yeah, but. well, you know, Manhattan in particular. Oh, but, absolutely. Yeah. Everything has been gentrified. It's true. Still, it, you know. Still, you know, it it was it was subtle enough for people in the the late seventies in you know outside of New York and Greenwich Village. Yeah, to not realize what YMCA was about, which is you know, when you finally figure it out as a teen, is always one of the more amusing moments in your your growing up. It's like, oh, that song's not about exercise. You know, I. As a recovering Catholic and, uh, you know, kindergarten through high school, Catholic school graduate, I I think it's hilarious the amount of times that YMCA was uh, sung and danced uh, quite enthusiastically in uh, in both grade school and high school at a at a pretty tight ass uh, Catholic school. So, I mean, it's a pretty awesome inside joke well, like scott said it, it, it's vague <laughs> enough though heck I, I knew i knew people who were compelled to stay at a ymca because they had no other place to go you know they were just down and out on their luck you know right? the words so to the song it, it, it is it is a it is a hostel that you can stay at right so there, there's yeah, a, there's a certain a young of, man. if you want to suspend your disbelief you can do it pretty easily i think um until you know then it's impossible right? I thought it was death. Plus There's it has the yeah, gyms though, right? Yeah, they have that too. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That's where I was always thinking about. So it's- but isn't isn't the lyric it's fun to stay at the YMCA? Yeah. It's fun to stay at the Yeah, yeah, it's, it's so fun to work out. It's fun to stay there, right? <laughs> yeah. Plus it's got a dance that's, you know, about as easy to do as, you know, the hokey pokey, so Oh yeah. I used the to chicken love dance. dance. Oh, is there an so actual dance that went along with it? Well, yeah, oh, right, 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 right. The, okay, yes, I am. I don't know if it dance is the right word, but you know. Yeah, I was just being obtuse. Yeah, unintentionally. Well, it's it's very eighties slash ninety. Like it's very eighties in the way that uh, you know, uh, Nickelodeon came up. But I'm thinking of like really crappy children's cartoons that 
only existed to push a product or a toy. Oh, yeah, it's totally. like we have the toy now, make the show kind of thing. It really does seem like that. We have the product now, go make the go record the album. Like all the sexist shit with like the baby dolls, where it's like, here's a baby that pisses itself, or here's a baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, why yeah. do you think I want a baby? And, <laughs> and there's and there's some some kind of there's a there's a show to go along with yeah. peeing baby doll. Barbies. Well, so what you're saying is this album was was five years too late for disco, and about fifteen years too late for um, cable children's programming. Yeah, it's like He-Man. All the the latent homosexuality that's you know subtextual but blatant. What are you talking about, Scott? Yeah, they just ripped off the Village People essentially. Yeah. Now the real question: Are the Spice Girls essentially the uh, lesbian update of the Village People? Because hmm. you know there's five of them. They each have their own you know character. Where my brain was going the whole time. I was like. Um, Thinking about um, how each Spice Girl also had a solo album. Yeah. Did yeah. You guys <laughs> and that guy went solo. Yeah, that's. <laughs> you know, Scott, that is that is uh, it has to be. I mean, the formula the formula is there. It worked really well. Made a lot of money. Yeah. Somebody said we got to do it again. We just need a twist and and. Um, um, you know, and of course, um, maybe get, you know, what I was getting at is that even with the village people, most people, uh, at least initially with the hits, they don't glam on or glom on to the, the, the gay connection right away and tells, until yeah. their friend tells them about it. Um, but, um, uh, you know, with, uh, um, um, the spice girls, you know, you could, you could easily say you're a heterosexual male. You could easily gloss over anything you wanted. Uh, exactly. Depending on how well they dressed and danced, right? So Now, the real question is, why didn't, like, say, the new kids on the block or Backstreet Boys or NSYNC all have, like, characters or costumes? That way, if, you know, Justin did. Timberlake gets too uppity, you could just replace him with some other cowboy and no one will care. I think Logan's right. They did have costumes. Yeah, that um, this this reminds me a little bit of was it Lou Lou Pearlman was the I, I always want to oh, say yes. Ron Pearlman, but you know, a different guy. <laughs> um, that it would be pretty funny if Ron Pearlman was actually Lou Pearlman and also uh, Hellboy. Oh, but, oh yeah. You know, anyways, uh, uh, like uh, this reminds me a lot of that um, boy band pop group sort of. It's like they have a form on a clipboard that they were like, all right, which products are we going to endorse? We've we need to get this demographic, this demographic, this demographic, and this demographic, and we're gonna sell products X Y Z. Like, let's fill out the form and uh, add everything up, and it says we need a cowboy, an Indian, a construction worker, and uh, songs about a uh, Big Mac, and uh, you know uh, whatever. It's, it's like very, um, I don't, yeah. It's it's very commercial. Feels like, but cheesy. But it's not, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, you, it's, I don't know. Yeah, like, you're like, it's like, you're filling apart. It's kind of like SNL, like, you're filling, there's a certain caricature of a person for everybody. Yeah, you need yeah. The, the the bad boy with the goatee, and you need the uh, the wacky guy. Girl and the, with uh, the cowbell. 
Right. And the romantic one. And we yeah. need a leather man, so Donnie Wahlberg, you will wear the leather in this group. <laughs> yeah, he was definitely the leather man. <laughs> well, should we start listening to this album? I mean, do we even want to? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm do we excited. want to spend the night? This, this is great. Cleaning up to it yesterday. <laughs> if you go to my Instagram, or if is nearly over will you have this dance with me i've watched you here for hours and i've waited patiently i feel my passion pounding and my heart beats just for you the evening is still young sweet darling what you gonna do do you want to There's consent in there. <laughs> Indeed. He's asking. I mean, we don't know who he's asking. Way ahead. Uh, or the gender of the, the person being asked. But, you know, we don't need to specify. It does it's, not matter it, if they are of age and consenting, Scott. Indeed. Well, Logan, unlike the last album we talked about, there's a lot of bass here. Hell yeah. No, this this kills. This is this is better than the, the Elton John disco thing. Absolutely. That is true. It is much better. It's better disco. I mean, well, that's just it. it this song, particularly, is—it's—they're not breaking from the disco too hard, and their village people sound, particularly on the choruses. This is not a group that does like harmonies or complicated vocal arrangements. This is a group that just sings in unison, like you know, ACDC or something. You know, group chants. So Big Yang vocal. I think yeah. it's. I think the Renaissance is in look and fashion, not in musical style. Yeah. Well, and when they do change it up, it's always in the verse, but the chorus is always this sing along, YMCA in the army, everyone on their feet and chanting along kind of thing. Yeah. So. Is um, have any of you listened uh, to any of their other LPs, their full length albums? No. Well, you know what? It might have been playing when I was cleaning because I think at one point it started playing a bunch of other songs from them. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've listened to a few tracks, but yeah, I'm not super right, right. familiar. What I'm, I'm getting at is is I have not, and, and I've listened to a few tracks as well, but I'm wondering, you know, we, we listen to this and say, okay, it's an outlier, definitely, on some level, but maybe some of those other albums have oddball songs on them too, like this one does. Maybe maybe musically, this is kind of where they've always been with a slightly different lineup. I don't, I can't verify that. I, well, I, most of their albums have like six to eight songs on them tops because they're all like, you know, extended disco length songs. So it doesn't take long to, you know, check out the first 30 seconds of each song and, and hear their entire discography in the I afternoon. I was skipping through like, all right, I got it. All right. Yeah. But then I just like let it play. But that's, that's, that's <laughs> disco. I mean, as we discussed with the Elton John one, is it, it's like both the strength and weakness of disco is that it's exactly what you expect every time. It's its consistency. It's a, it's a hundred and something beats per minute and it ain't going to move and you can dance to it and you don't have to pay attention to the lyrics at all. No. All, all you need to know is the chorus, and they will repeat that chorus till your brain <laughs> goes numb. What's this song called? Oh, yeah, it's the thing that they've been saying for, like, six minutes. <laughs> Why? MCA. Yeah. yeah. 
I, uh, but you got to think it's it. interesting how the um, I know we'll get into it as we get into, you know, the, the 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 other side of the record. But it does seem like this first side is uh, just kind of classic village people kind of disco stuff. It's it doesn't seem like a really big departure. It's the it's the B side of this that gets really product placement. E. <laughs> oh, out like I can't a, a imagine of, what song you're referring to. <laughs> Just the the whole second side of this record is is nothing but that. It's like waiting to be in a a, a Ninja Turtles spinoff movie, you know. Yeah. Well, we'll have to we'll have to see if we agree with you when we get there. <laughs> well, shall we move on to the next track? The, the I think this was the first single, Five O'clock in the Morning. It has a video. We'll definitely post a link to the. Uh, the music video on our Facebook group because um, it's a it's a looker. <laughs> Is there such a genre as stalker disco? <laughs> this sounds like it's rolling over the credits of like a, a, a real like C tier, you know, hard boiled cop movie from 1981. Yeah, yeah. Someone who wants to be Manfred, and, you know, or you know, whoever it was that did Miami Vice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and Hammer. Yeah, this is oh, uh, yeah, this is um, the hit from the album. It was their first big hit in Italy, which, you know, why it, this song and why not any other song, but um, okay. I think, I think uh, this was their, their uh, this this was the song that, that did chart in, in the United yeah. States even, but not, it didn't, you know, go to number one or anything, like, say, in the Navy may have done. No. No, and I imagine when you see the current lineup of village people, which probably includes absolutely zero village people who are involved in the making of this record, they don't perform any of the uh, songs from this album. Probably not, unless they really need filler or someone really likes it. But but you would you would hope that by now they have the whole menudo vibe going on. That once you reach a certain age and the muscles start slagging just a little bit, you um, you know you um. Yeah, Logan's Run. Logan's Run, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, how old were you, 35, when you when you kicked it? I thought it was like 25 maybe it was, when maybe you got it was that, yeah. off in Logan's Run. It was fairly young. Well, that was my favorite movie of all time in fourth and fifth grade. Boy, does it hold up. <laughs> <laughs> kind of does. Yeah. Sadly. Uh, well, the, the elderly <laughs> should be willing to die for the betterment of our whole society, right? I mean... Who would put that crazy notion out there? How's your little glowing rock doing, guys? Yeah, mine's getting, mine's, mine's blinking. Carousel. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Carousel, right? You need to like mix them together with the Soylent Green so that when you do, you know, hit Carousel, they put you in the, the Soylent Green machine. You know, um... One of my very first music teachers uh, 
I, I had to do a recital for this uh, bass duet um, etude that I'd written, and uh, he, he titled it for me, and it was Logan's Run, which I did not get at all at the time. I was like, hey, okay, that's neat. And I was like, a year or two later, I was like, oh, shit, there's a movie called that. And it's like, uh, duh. I don't think I've seen it. It's this sci-fi movie from, what, 76 or something? 75 where or 6, Some yeah. sort of future utopia where once you turn 25, this, like, diamond on your wrist starts blinking and then you're free to be killed and everyone comes after you and kills you. But until then, you have a, a nice, perfect life. Well, it, it's post-apocalyptic. There there had been, yeah, there had been an environmental catastrophe. There wasn't enough food. So, so whoever designed these little miniature cities wanted to perpetuate hum- humanity, right? So you had to um, be old enough to breed, but not not old enough to and stick around and continue to eat. Food, everyone so. wears pretty much either yoga outfits you had to be or like a sheet. Yeah. That sucks. It's sort of hot, and, uh, I guess. Farrah Fawcett had a bit know. part in it, and yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, Michael yeah. York. Michael York was, was the they- star, and Jenny a gutter. And I'll have to see if I can watch it. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's, it's, per- it's pretty great. Oh, no, it's great. And uh, um, uh, it has uh, an, an old, what was it? Uh, Peter Ustinov was the... Uh, oh, yeah. The old guy. The old guy, yeah. And then was... they bring him back to their city in a bubble, and everyone's just amazed by this old person. Right. This, just, oh, wow. like, oh, my God. His wrinkles so... and gray hair. Yeah. Aren't I, we always I, amazed by old people? <laughs> I have to look it up, but I'm, I'm guessing that guy was probably like in his 40s when he was playing that role. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. That's so funny. I just learned that recently. Who's the... Um, man, Wil- Wilford Brimley was like uh, in his 30s when he played his first like like real old grizzled old man roles and so you just think of him not aging for about 40 years because he started playing the same character at like 35 (laughs) some people just get old quick man well steve martin always looks the same age because he was like completely gray from you know the age of 23 or whatever I know it can it can be it can go both ways. <laughs> yeah, well, everybody looks younger with a banjo. Well, yeah, that's why I carry one around. It's true. <laughs> See, I'm always trying to look older. So there you go. No banjo for you. The banjo's right over here. Don't make me get it. <laughs> sure got a purdy mouth. <laughs> so, so, so this particular song we just listened to, it does seem a little less disco-like. Yeah, there's more guitars. There's less wah. There's less, you know, popping on the bass. It's 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 creepier and moodier. I don't know if it's you know I don't know what I would call it, but it's not pure disco. You couldn't slot this between. Would would you call it? N- you know, can't slot it between the hustle and uh, you know I will survive, but you kill the mood, man. Yeah, it yeah. is like a blend of things, which is weird. It's like show tuney almost. Yeah, like new wave show tune. <laughs> I'm surprised there hasn't been a Village People musical yet. Oh. You think that would be a a gimme? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Might be on a shelf somewhere. Probably. I mean, if you've seen the Village People movie, you can see why they might be a little hesitant to bring that out into the public. <laughs> I haven't seen it. I'll have to check it out. 
yeah, there's like a five minute commercial for milk in there where all the village people are just being drenched in this white liquid. And you're like, subtle. (laughs) (laughs) That's fun. Indeed. By the way, you know, the village people band, it's it's uh, it's integrated, as they used to say as well. That's true. So there, you know, this was, uh, I mean, at least when they came out, it was the the progressive 70s, I guess, as, as uh, you could look at it, um, depending on your bent. So so they are kind of representative of a certain way of a of a cultural acceptance of 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 difference in a, in a way that um, was just kind of emerging. Well, isn't, isn't that a very like eight, like late seventies, eighties kind of thing where a lot of, you know, what would be fringe culture, whether it was queer culture or just kind of more underground stuff was kind of, I mean, even new wave is kind of a take on, on, on punk, you know, the punks hated, the term new wave because it was like this is the the walmart version of this thing that we had to fight to create um and I, you know through the 80s there's a lot of like mainstream embracing of uh you know with like a prince is huge and, and you have this androgyny and sort of things that are have been staples of queer culture for a long time and all of a sudden they're creeping into everything mainstream without necessarily especially like midwestern mainstream people realizing that that's where it's coming from. And it's kind of a, it kind of like snuck in, you know? Yeah. And these are, these had to be, you know, at least among, I mean, this, this would have been an, an early part of that kind of transformation, you know, I mean, you know, a super group like this, you know, just super, I mean, in terms of massive sales, it's not like gay people hadn't had great hits before, but sort of to do it in a, in a very, um, uh, open way, and, yeah, and, and as opposed to like Liberace, right? Exactly, and and for for it to become, you know, um, you know, like like a, it's not androgynous. It's not this sort of playing around with like early rockers did, like David Bowie or Mick Jagger or something like that. These guys are up there with. Um, <laughs> Without their macho exactly. men, macho right. macho men, <laughs> they are right. They they are the Spartans of uh, you know the Greenwich Village. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah they're all tops. Yeah, that, I mean that's always been like a kind of hallmark of the village people thing, which is where it's just like it. It's like they're you know queer, queer as hell, but also you know look like they could kick your ass in a fight. So it's. <laughs> It's an interesting part of, of uh, you know, street, like mainstream people having to rec- you know, reckon with this being a thing. And so it's, it's interesting in that, that regard, yeah. culturally. Well, and most of the characters that are playing are authority figures, you know, cops or, right. you know, chieftains. Or, well, everyone, know. everyone likes a man in uniform, right? Indeed, we're half out of uniform. You know, the uniform <laughs> unbuttoned to the navel. Yeah, that's, I think that's regulation <laughs> without a shirt. <laughs> yeah, it's not safe to be you know doing construction wearing only a hard hat and a assless denim. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of strong man. <laughs> yeah. Well, shall we go on to the next track, which also seems to be another authority figure or civil servant? Um, Fireman!
I keep expecting this, like, in my head I can just picture young Eddie Murphy doing stuff. It's so 80s. And it's early 80s. I, I um, want to go back to what you said earlier, Logan, just because we did cover or talked about the Elton John disco album. It is shocking to me what a difference good disco is from bad disco. And, and uh, while, while this might not be my bag, this is so much better done. It is good disco is like merely music. Yeah, right. <laughs> so close. Now, you know how, you know, people can usually name five or six of the seven dwarves, but there's always one they can't remember. I bet if you ask most people if there was a fireman in the village people, they, they might say yes. <laughs> they can't remember all of them. There is a cowboy and a fireman and a postal worker and a... It's like a one of those hunky fireman calendars come to life. That's That's the video I was seeing in my head. Yes, it's true. It's very horny. <laughs> yeah, well, see, this is, uh, uh, you know, firemen are for everybody, right? Yeah. Yes. I always get a crack out, out of any any fireman joke because I just, my, my dad was in the Air Force during the, you know, Vietnam, and uh, um, he tells a story of going, go you know, his, his friends that he knew in boot camp, one of them was named by the uh, uh, Arlie Ermey-esque uh, drill instructor guy, the fireman, because he... Uh, he had a had a big hose, and that apparently wah, stuck wah. stuck with the guy for uh, many years. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I did notice there weren't any hose double entendres in the lyrics. Yeah, I was kind of disappointed. I was, I, was, I was expecting it the the whole time with uh, it to be uh, pretty shameless. Maybe it's implied. But, yeah, <laughs> indeed. I mean, we do have like a, a fire bell and a fire siren, except they both sound like you know. Casio samples that are just horrible. <laughs> yeah, that was state of the art at the time, man. That's that was the sound of the future in 1981. Oh, yeah. 81. Oh yeah. Well, and novel songs, new sounds are always exciting. Indeed. I mean, this is the closest to a disco song on the album. I think. I mean, there's a synthesizer solo that reminds you you're in the 80s, but other than that, it's it's pretty disco-y. It definitely is. But it's good disco, so <laughs> no complaints. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> Balonium hasn't covered any of the songs off of this thing, have they, as far as you know? Not yet. Oh, but I, you know. I am so glad you mentioned them. Uh, Only because they don't know about it. I <laughs> <laughs> There's a Polonium, and, and there is one song, I won't say which one, you you all will have to guess. There is one song on here that I think um, L Little Fyodor could have or should have written. Probably, yes. <laughs> but that's on side two. We need to finish up yes. side one first with this, you know, Welcome to the Jungle Paradise City mashup. Uh, jungle City.
This was more like opening credits kind of 80s movie song, right? Or, or, or middle of the movie montage. Right, like Jim Cotta or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this, uh, um, I, I know you were joking, Scott, but I'm, I would like to ask Axl Rose if he was influenced by this song or record. Well, he, he's probably far too homophobic to admit to it, but he might have been. Well, there, there's something that all homophobic people have in common. Homophobia? Uh, that, okay, there's at least one thing. It has, so this is sort of a ballad, right? Kinda. And it has a pretty uh, peculiar sort of loping uh, rhythm to it. That has a, a sort of a square wheel kind of thing going on it it doesn't ever really get like it it's propulsive but it it doesn't really get foot stompy it's kind of it's kind of like the cars that's what i was thinking when i heard it you know with the organ on there and the 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 guitar riff just keeping going dang 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 well maybe that's why they described it as new wave because the cars cars were the one of they they rode that wave Yes. From the beginning. The real now, what is the message of the song? Is it that, you know, the city is dangerous and as wild as a jungle? Or that the city actually is in a jungle? And is that a good and exciting thing? Or is that like a bad and scary thing that they're warning us about? I mean or just that cities are like jungles. Is that all they're saying? They have inner city pressure. Tarzan thrives in a jungle. There you go. But did Jane really thrive in a jungle? Well. Village people are asking some tough questions with this one. This is a deep album. Yeah. You know, that, that, uh, that, uh, yeah, that opening drum groove is pretty, that's pretty rocking. That's pretty, you know... That should get your feet moving, but but I think you're right. You know, especially when the chorus comes in, it's it's almost um, like you said, kind of a square peg. It's not quite it, it, it's not quite good enough. Yeah, but as always, you know the the chorus is you know all five or six of them. I don't even know how many are in there. Six, five are singing in unison at the top of their lungs with no real subtlety or distinction between them. Whatever the chorus is. They really like sing-alongs, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so no matter what the rest of the song is. They're like gestures. Well, which brings yeah. back the whole sort of Nickelodeon, Disney kind of vibe, right? Uh, sing-alongs. Or maybe um, they were fans of Mitch Mitchell. Weren't we all? Yeah. Was that his name? Mitch Miller. Mitch Miller, yeah. Mitch Mitchell was the guy from uh, the Jimi Hendrix Experience. There you go. Probably shouldn't get those two confused. Yeah, close enough. I knew what you were talking about. <laughs> I thought my brain was where yours was already. <laughs> well, I guess then we should flip the record over to the um, the concept album side. <laughs> the concept have... is buy the stuff we tell you to buy. Indeed, the concept is commercialism is good yeah, for they, you. Did they forget to produce the merch, though? I mean, it, were they imagining I think they were hoping Wars to sell these thing? later and, yeah. and did not. This seems more like there was like a warehouse full of product that they had to move and then were assigned. <laughs> you get, yes. 
These these Big Macs are going to expire next month. We got to move this shit. You know, uh, they they should have hired George Lucas as the producer. Yeah. yeah. Burger King. Or, you know, Big Mac's McDonald's, right? Yes, Big Mac. <laughs> I was like, wait. <laughs> Home of the Whopper. Uh, nope. that, do you, were they like involved with it at all? Or is it just their solo thing? They're just singing about Big Macs. I want to open credit opening like credit crawl. That's basically like it was 1981. Burger King was at war with McDonald's. Yeah. The village people were the only ones who could save the Big Mac. The dead speak. Me so sorry. But to save anything, you need an action man. Indeed. Mm-hmm. more what I was expecting. How is that not a hit? I don't know. I mean, it sounds like Howard Jones or, or Thomas Dolby or right. who did... Um, it sounds like Devo like, for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah Devo. So, uh, I was just Greg it up. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, New Traditionalists was uh, Devo. Like, probably right around the same time. Um, yeah. They were also action men. I think it's because they were yeah. branded as the village people. This this was... I don't think they were missing the mark here. I mean, I think this no. was what could have sold at that time period. Well, I, I yeah. think that's true in the, the verses, but the choruses sound so much like the village people yeah. that, you know, if the rest of the song were in the Navy, and they just slipped that in, then you wouldn't know the difference. Right. Apparently, Action Man was the original name of G.I. Joe. And, you know, he was, they were in production in the UK where they did not have G.I. Joe at the time. They ran from like 66 through 84, so. Weird. Again, was, we're selling products. Yankees wouldn't get that joke. I had a G.I. Joe. I never had an Action Man. Aw. I don't think I had an Action Man, no. I only heard of G.I. Joe. Yeah, I think this was back when they were still, you know, Barbie doll size as opposed to the, the tiny ones you could choke on as a hazard. Again, shout out to the Venture Brothers yeah. and, and the character, the action man. Yeah, my, my G.I. <laughs> Joe is definitely more action size. Yes. It is, well, is the uh, army guy in the village people the action man? Did he get to sing this one? I would hope so, but I have a feeling he might not have. Yeah, that, that is an interesting uh, um, com- observation about this versus a band like Devo or something where yeah. you definitely... Devo sort of in, embodied the characters that they were singing about. You know, they had, uh, you know, Boogie Boy and General Boy and some characters that they would reference, and they were in the band or adjacent to the band. And it's the interestingly enough, the the village people, their outfits and characters just happened to be like for for it wasn't thematically tied necessarily to the material. I mean, there's in the Navy, but other than that, there's no songs about being a construction worker yeah, or being not a cowboy in, in sailor outfits. No, know? exactly. There's no songs about being a, a, you know, hopefully authentic Native American. I don't know. 
there may be some cultural appropriation with Felipe. I've not, you know, done my research, but um, we'll just give him the benefit of a doubt. I'm sure not every person who has donned the headdress in the entire village people, you know, 40 plus year career was uh, technically Native American, but uh, hopefully most of them. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Do we know, was there a, um, was there a band for this album or was it all constructed kind of, um, you know, song at a time? No, they had a consistent band. It's also the same band that played on Solo Man by uh, Victor Willis. So I think they all left with the the lead singer guy. Mm. And so there's a new band with, um, oh, Howie Epstein from the uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers is on this. And uh, Dennis from uh, Toto is playing on this. I was going to say the musicianship seems pretty high quality. Yeah, Yeah. it's great. On this one, I really did want to believe that Alan Myers is playing drums, but it 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 sounds very Devo-y in the drums, particularly. Yeah. Well, and that that vocal effect on the the lead singer. I mean, it's just. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah. But yeah, this is definitely more of a change of pace on side two. I want this on vinyl. Like, this is fantastic. Yeah, because then you would never have to flip over to the, the other uninteresting side. That's that's well, right. Well, side I, one's not bad, but, you know, side two is it's got a theme going on. Like so three songs about the food. Night, five o'clock in the morning, Action Man and Jungle City were the singles. So I just need to go track down some 12-inch singles and I can Indeed. keep the Well, when you've the party got rolling nonstop. songs on the album and you release three singles, yeah, you're pretty much there. <laughs> Well, shall we go on to one of the um, more blatant commercial (laughs) tracks on here? And a song that's making me hungry. Nothing's better than a Big Mac. Nothing. Thematic love, peace on earth. Nothing. No, nothing is better than a Big Mac. Trade it all. Thematically, this reminds me of Steve Miller's "Living in the USA." You know, I've been all around the world. Somebody get me a cheeseburger. Oh yeah, I really, really, really meant to go out and get a get a Big Mac to be eating during this. uh, you have podcast, to get one in the sty- the styrofoam container though to really get the and the little, the little paper anymore, ring that would hold it all together. Indeed, yeah. yeah. I always remember that the fillet of fish one was kind of this creepy blue color that would yeah yeah that way you could tell a... them apart if you couldn't read. I have a yeah. sister that loves fillet of fish. She still eats them. That uh, she's still alive. <laughs> it, it must work well. It pickles you from the inside out. I think. <laughs> the best one like it's market like it's it'll always be on the menu because it sells the best yeah i mean this which I mean, is this, hilarious because i've always thought the same thing i'm like what is it yeah <laughs> yeah don't ask is it really a filet <laughs> yeah is it really a fish <laughs> it's neither <laughs> it's like a little fish amoeba baby that just never leaves a factory pool 
Or it's a it's a snakehead fish. Filet of snakehead. Yeah. I mean well, <laughs> But were they, they have a McRib song? What the you, hell? Could you even I mean I'm just wondering. A McRib song. In the twenty first century where it seems like um you know you can't you can't post a song on Facebook without getting you know, copyright violation flag yeah, getting a you know slapped on the wrist um was this was this you know maybe it was just a crass attempt to maybe say hey maybe we can get McDonald's to sponsor us or something but at the same time if they just did this yeah what, would McDonald's you know would like some right-wing group come out and start protesting McDonald's today and, and uh, you know, demand that they stop supporting gay culture or they're going to quit eating their Big Macs? Well, I don't think they asked McDonald's beforehand. I think they just wrote it. Right, right. Well, that, I mean, I think that's what happened. I'm just saying what I'm trying to get at is we're, this, the, the world we're living in right now is significantly different than the one that we lived in, you know. In 81. Right, in 81, oh. right? Yeah. And so, so uh, yeah, I just uh, wonder if there would have been huge cultural backlash. How dare they attack our sacred institution of McDonald's? Well, I can't tell. Are they attacking it or are they saying that American food is better than all that weird foreign food? Like, have you heard of sushi bars? No, the, what a weird yeah, new well, thing. Yeah, that is so you're, gross. You're clearly correct. I mean, I think you're clearly correct. But at the same time, I could easily see people being upset that a bunch of... Um, Openly gay men would be touting McDonald's. Exactly. Well, this McDonald's. I thought this was a sex thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it, it could be too. Yes. That's the other thing. If you put them on this, on a, you know, you, you you take them to court, they could say, "Well, we weren't talking about that at all. We were talking about a different special sauce." Oh yeah. Boom. Um, Boom. Um, I know about gay culture is like anything can be made into a gay yeah. icon. If you've been to, you know, Billy Bob's Leather and Whips down on Fifth Avenue, um, I'm sure um, they could inform you what a Big Mac really is. <laughs> yeah, as we're cruising through this, I mean, this is kind of a short album, isn't it? It's less than half an hour. It's like 28 minutes yeah. long. 2846. I would like to mention that one of the other albums that we've done in the past, the the Judas Priest record, um, there's there's some, but hear me out. There's a, there's some the leather man of, yeah, of yeah, metal. So in in popular culture, um, the the gay leather fetish culture thing, which was a very underground and very specific you know kink culture thing, came to the mainstream through. Mostly through Judas Priest, like and Rob, Rob Halford introducing it into to metalheads and and Haitian, yeah. you know, thrash metal people and the Village people. Those are the kind of two inroads that this very specific fetish has into mainstream culture. And I think that's very fascinating. It's like yeah. Judas Judas Priest and the Village people. So. Well, musically, they're so similar. Way I can understand. <laughs> I mean, they're, you know. They are kind of could, drums, guitar, vocals. Yeah. You, could, you could pick out a couple of eras and, and make claims that there was overlap. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, this sounds more like the B-52s. Or, um, yes. If you've ever listened to Tony O.K., yeah. he's got a, yeah, it's very Tony O.K. on this song. But, I mean, clearly the song is trying to be funny, 
I mean, why else would you write about it? But I, I, is it funny? I mean, is this, it, would Weird Al do well with this? I'm completely reversing on everything I said before. I really want to know what a Big Mac is. <laughs> yeah. Look it up on Urban Dictionary. And do I and really then, want one? Yeah, don't do it while uh, you're at work. Though. The answer is no. Whatever it is, I'm guessing no. <laughs> you never know. You might surprise yourself. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Rusty Trombona in the Big Mac. Woo. Never say never. Yeah. I'm more of a McRib fan myself. You gotta know if the Big Mac wants you. <laughs> mm. I, I think the Whopper the Shamrock This whole shake. side of the album really <sighs> does work for me because you mentioned the B-52s and something kind of clicked and that was just that the best of the new wave stuff that I really enjoy has a very tongue-in-cheek kind of satirical element to it. I think the strongest... Yeah new wave stuff did not take itself seriously at all. And I, I think that's why some of these work really well, you know? Yes. This like, is clearly, they're trying to be funny, particularly on this second half of the album. Cause there's yeah. Three songs about food in a row and that, that can't be unintentional. So dude, why <laughs> dude uh, Kanye has to like do like a double album where he just samples like the food side of this, right? <laughs> like somebody's gotta be, this is a gold mine, indeed, for covers and samples. Uh, I, I don't want anyone and, to ruin the like record that. for me. No, you can't. You can't touch the original. Yeah, That's why you can't improve on on perfect, huh? Well, shall we move on to the next one? Which you know, if you're eating a Big Mac, you're probably not on a diet. Is that a, you know you're losing Is that control. Warren on guitar, Matt? What's that? Is that Warren Cucurolo on guitar? It sure sounded like it could have been. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I don't understand what the message is. I mean, it's clearly supposed to be funny. Are they making fun of people who are so fat they need to diet? Or are they making fun of the diets themselves? I think it's a craze that they're they're, uh, they're just jumping on because you know Jane Fonda has the workout record out and right, right, still. Richard Simmons and the, all the juice cleanses and whatnot. It's a, a pe- peculiar album sequencing. Yeah, you know, right. are they making fun of people who do like Big Macs and then then making fun of them even more by telling them they need to stop eating Big Macs or? Well, like I said before, they, they're all dressed in one degree or another as public servants. And maybe, you know, the number one problem in America, we keep being told, is obesity and all of the consequential, uh, you know, health issues that happen when, you know, you got a little too much. Um, and um, maybe they're just trying to help out us Americans. Just ahead well, of the curve a little bit. if they're trying to encourage us to go on a diet, then all the sort of personal attacks and body shaming seems to be, you know, counterproductive. I, this song makes me want to give up and just have a gallon of ice cream or a bowl of chocolate or whatever. You know, I, I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> my, my speculation I think was incorrect. The, these are guys that, that, um, 
probably give diet pills to each other as candy rather than candy. Yeah. Excedrin or no, what was that stuff? Dexatrim. Yeah, Dexatrim. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 You don't see that much anymore. And and yet, nothing's better than a Big Mac. Nothing's better. It's nothing's healthy about a Big Mac, but nothing's better. Well, and you better go on a diet. Yeah. It's like a duality of man, kind of. Right. (laughs) There you go. This is, yeah, this is a very conceptual piece, you know. Um, it's heavy. The thing is, and, and, and it's also, heavy, but so it needs to go on a diet. It, it might just be a, a uh, maybe just, I don't know, that might be the wrong word, but clearly using the acronym, or, or rather the, uh, not the acronym, spelling. the spelling of diet harkens back to the acronym of YMCA, D-I-E-T, oh, yeah. and they even holler out the letters at the time. This was, this could be their attempt at the next dance craze. Yeah. <laughs> It did feel a little uh, obvious in cashing in, like, yeah, this worked last time, do it again, because it didn't really fit with the song either. They sort of have to segue to it with a long drum beat to, okay. It's kind of like let's, uh, let's... Chubby Checker has a hit with the twist, and so yeah. you have to twist again. And, um, yeah, that's true. And then, uh, but even that was a bigger hit than all of the endless other dance songs that quickly followed that disappeared. The peppermint twist. Is yeah. Like a, yes. Uh, so, right. Um, you know. This is one this of those tunes that the lyrics of the, the lyrics of the song tell you what you're supposed to be doing to the song, right? It's like, yeah, the twist. Uh, they're uh, like, dance, they're like easy dance moves, I feel like, every time. Yeah. They can explain them in the first verse. Their instructions to murder someone every time. <laughs> <laughs> Just dig a hole in the back and you gotta go. Every song like has like instructions. It feels like you, you just hit on something. Can, can we play this backwards? <laughs> you put it? your left hand in. Yeah. yeah. Was a uh, was cocaine still a big thing in '81? Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe they were lamenting that they uh, didn't have as much access anymore. Yes. Well, if you look at, they are wearing, you know, vests with no shirts. They, they're a little pudgy themselves. I'm not sure they should really well, be um, this is what throwing houses at glass stones or whatever. I'm, I'm still on the, there's satanic messages in here somewhere. Like, uh, yeah. who was the guy that tried to whack Reagan, Matt? Oh, um, Hinkley. Hinkley, yeah. Hinkley, no. yeah. Did, did Hinkley own a copy of the, That was before. Yeah, yeah, Hinkley, yeah. I almost said John Wayne Gacy, but that was a different guy. Yeah, well, you know, he definitely had a copy of this. Yeah. John Wayne Bobbitt, <laughs> yeah. whatever. John Wayne Bobbitt. <laughs> oh, dog. Ah, all the John Waynes. Getting antsy on me. <laughs> That's all right. Well, the more guests we have on the show, the better. Come here. Come here. Diego likes the music. We've been dancing around to it. Got a jelly bean. Well, there you go. There you go. I've got a jelly bean. A cutie! Is that a puppy or is it just? She's just a tiny dog. She's just a tiny baby. She's still young though, right? Three. Mm. Oh my gosh! All right, get the hell out of here, Jelly Yeah, she bounced. Ah, uh, don't we all? He doesn't want to be held, but he's right here, just being. He's like, "What the heck are you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> I got a mouse. Nice. 
<laughs> I thought you were gonna have like. Really- yeah, that, that that last song was starting to get kind of aggressive in its messaging. The next one is just downright violent. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> Did this come up in the the PMRC? Uh, I'm sure. If you played this song for a hundred random people on the street, not a single one of them would guess it was the village people. No, I swear. Only the true fans. That was awesome. That it was. was. I mean, the opening awesome. is very Animal House, but uh... yeah. Um, those drum, those drum fills are like uh, um, uh, Dead Milkman, Dean Clean drum drum fills. Like they're. Ah, oh, that's. I mean. That was perfect. Yeah, it's a very sort of cheesy B-52s type of organ. Farfisa. Yeah. Farfisa, definitely. Yeah, I know which one Theodore should have covered. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was meant to be. I mean, Um, again, these guys are only vocalists. They're not playing any instruments, and this is the vocal performance he puts in. I mean... Okay, then. You know, uh, I, I have to tie Matt's uh, 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 little Theodore reference to, um, to this song and the, and, the, and the cheesy organ, and that's the story about how um, I think on one of the, on the little Theodore tribute album, the voodoo organist recorded a, uh, um, he recorded. No, it wasn't on that one. It was on a different. It was on a different little Fedor album. But the voodoo organist recorded an organ solo on Fedor's very beat up and out of tune Farfisa. And when when he was doing it, he went had a roll of painters tape and was pressing each key key by key and putting a piece of painters tape on like most every other key. And he basically was like, "Okay, these are the ones that are so out of tune they are useless." And he was left with about four keys on the whole keyboard. And then performed a solo with the remaining ones, but was, you know, new to avoid all the ones with tape on them because they were just uselessly out of tune for the, a, a similar sort of spazzy uh, punk song. So <laughs> when I was a kid, I used to stay up till what of 1am when they would play the Dr. Demento show. And I'm surprised I never heard this song on the Dr. Demento show. Cause this is, exactly what dr demento plays if the the big mac song is pandering to mcdonald's and the diet song is pandering to you know weight watchers or something then this is for uh dr demento for sure oh yeah well i mean food fights are something that only happens in like elementary school so this is definitely aimed at kids i mean who else has food fights yeah, you get tased if you food fight as an adult. Yeah. I've, I've found. <laughs> With um, good reason. <laughs> I 
I have never wasted food, so. <laughs> yeah, first world problems, guys. <laughs> Again, I'm not quite sure what the message is. Is it pro-food fighting or anti-food fighting? Certain. Yeah, or a pie in the eye or whatever. Yeah, there's a teacher in there, and I think a principal, too. So it's definitely a, a, a school cafeteria, and I can't imagine it's, you know, well, Animal House. So it might be a college cafeteria, but still. This is their anti-authoritarian uh, message. Yeah. Oh, How could man. you have any pudding if you don't eat your meat? And it's the last song on the record, but the record's only like 25 minutes long. So, you know, it's not anywhere close to the label. So, you know, the, the quality yeah. didn't suffer. The sound quality is not. Well, and it's a short yeah. song. I mean, particularly uh -huh. for the village people who are known for, you know, disco remixes that take up an entire, you know, side of a 12 inch single. It's like two and a half minutes, but. <laughs> Yeah, well, I could see, you know, if the village people had continued in this vein, they would have had a much, much different career. I'm not sure a better career. I'm not sure, but it different. I'm, I'm reading directly from the 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 Sacred Scrolls uh, a la Wikipedia, but dangerous minds respect respectively deemed food fight a stupefying punk rock masterpiece. That's a that's a pretty great compliment. <laughs> yeah. yeah it certainly made me stupider yeah i would if the inactivists or um any words of word in america <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> if the inactivists or say balonium did a cover of any of these songs on this side of the album you would have to rearrange them as being about very serious philosophical concerns so, yeah to parody them because they are. <laughs> well, it's Gary Shandling show had a whole episode about the guy who theoretically wrote YMCA and how it should have been a, a dark, you know, ballad and how he was upset with what the village people did to it. So, you know, this would be the sequel, I suppose. Uh, Rest in peace, Gary Shandling. Indeed. Again, it's a plot to murder people. <laughs> um, wild <laughs> well most of them are very um like disco very um one note very uh, consistent and this does have more diversity than any other village people album by a, a long mile i mean granted they only recorded like two or three albums after this and broke up and I think they just put out a Christmas album like two years ago, but you know, they do not have a large discography, and this is the only one that has anything like this on it. Yeah, totally. Well, and and second to Judas Priest's Painkiller, I would say that this is a, a very, very, very close second to my favorite album that we've gone over on this podcast by by a pretty pretty big amount. Like yeah. this is 
awesome. Yeah. But apparently it did not do well, and they went back to the uh, old characters, and even Victor Willis like rejoined the band in a, another album or two. So, you know, it was not a successful renaissance. It was a... It may have been a, a rebirth, but it was also a stillbirth. But, you know, at least we have the placenta to eat. <laughs> now who's on a diet? Well. <laughs> D-I-E-T. Maybe they're telling E.T. to die. No, that, that hadn't been come out yet, but close. So, Oof. yes, ultimately, if... If you think of the village people as just those big hits, and yes, they are ubiquitous and stuck in your head for a reason, this is the only other thing you need, is the village people's greatest hits and this one album, and you're set on the village people. Watch Can't Stop the Music at least once. Yeah. I mean, the, that's all you need, but it's uh, it's an experience worth having. Definitely do it with friends, though. You don't want to sit through that alone. You need someone to talk to and laugh with when you watch that movie. Yeah, it's uh Indeed. This it's this is an American masterpiece, is all I can say. Yes, this is um this is something. And it is available on Spotify and whatnot, so if you want to listen to it, you don't have to like hunt through used vinyl stores, although it's probably there too. You can you can check this out, and I highly recommend it. Whenever we're allowed to back in used vinyl stores, indeed. Well, you know, just eBay. It's the world's used vinyl store. <laughs> I was trying to get my dog to bark at that dog, but you know, <laughs> one of these days, because yeah. dog communication is important, and they're not getting enough of that. In the quarantine. Once they figure out how to smell butts through Skype, <laughs> they might take over. Well. Yeah. <laughs> There's not a lot of showering going on these days. Yes. Uh, Odorama. Yes. <laughs> No. Good. <laughs> I just always have a little work on when I'm talking or when I'm doing. I'm actually. Cool. And then just touching up this other hummingbird. Well, yeah. You, you, I suppose we're pretty much wrapped up with the album. Unless there's anything you want to add, we can, you know. Plug your, your paintings and if we ever leave the house again, comedy. I know. You can look up my comedy on my website. Um, and all my art's on there, too. Uh, it's Katie Bowman by Rocks. <laughs> there you go. Katie uh, Bowman rocks. dot rocks? Yes. Gotcha. And it's spelled like like rocks, you know, or like this rocks, not like any like weird spelling or anything. Gotcha. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for having me. Oh, this thank you. Great. And I mean, um, we'll take a minute to humbly ask you to um, rate and review us in whatever podcasting application you're using. And if you have an idea for future episodes, send us an email at detoursandoutliers at gmail.com. And until then, uh, tune in next week when we try and figure out who this artist is.
a man stand over a dead dog by the highway in the ditch. He's looking down, kind of puzzled, poking that dog with a stick. Got his car door flung open, he's standing out on Highway 31. Like if you stood there long.